You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a good car cast for you today. We're going to talk about uh, just a little recap of uh, Indy 500. The winner's there. Uh, some news about Ford Mustang Mach E. Some supercar stuff, and uh, and and a little update on uh, uh, on uh, the horsepower number for Goldberg's Dodge Charger twin turbo car. But before we get started, I want to welcome uh, a new sponsor, Oracle NetSuite. America's ready to get back to work, but to win in the new economy, you need every advantage to succeed. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle. It's the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility and control over your financials, HR inventory, e-commerce, and more, all in one place. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny and give you the ability to compete with anyone and work from anywhere, even on your phone. Join the 20,000-plus companies who already trust NetSuite. And NetSuite has surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies that they're using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide. It's called Seven Actions Businesses Need to, Need to Take Now. So get the free guide and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash carcast. Get your free guide and schedule a free product tour now at netsuite.com slash carcast. That's netsuite.com slash carcast. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, with Bill Goldberg. How are you, Bill? Vroom, vroom, vroom. I'm telling you, man, I never thought I'd, I'd be that guy, but we're going to have to get a turbo sound in that intro. <laughs> we're going to have to go. Well, we, once you get the car, once you get the charger done, we should have... Uh, get sounds from that charger. Yeah, we get sounds from that charger, and then we'll have to do... We'll do a new, we'll do a new version of... Uh, of the whooshing sound, but it, it, it's got to be thought. on this street because I don't like it on the dyno because you hear too much dyno, right? So oh, yeah, we got to yes. get sounds of that on, on the street. We'll do a new intro sound uh, for that. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, it's time for Dodge Power Dollars. That means for each horsepower, you get $10 off your purchase on a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. So come in for Dodge Power Dollars today for a pretty sweet deal. Uh, all right, so getting into some news. Big weekend, Indy 500 with no spectators. Uh, it was a good race. Uh, a, a couple of crashes. Uh, it seems like everybody is okay. Um, and uh, it was it was an interesting race. I would say the end of the race was less than spectacular if, uh, if you got to watch any of it, but uh, basically, it was uh, the top three. We have uh, our friend Graham Rahal came in number three. Scott Dixon, who led most of the race, came in number two. And Takuma Sato, he wins it for the second time. He wins an Indy 500. And a great day for uh, for Rahal Letterman team. Uh, we're obviously good oh, yeah. friends with Bobby Rahal. I, I, I see him at, at Long Beach. Uh, every year he's been here to the shop and Adam Carolla's Porsche 935, the Paul Newman 935. After that, the very famously, it was in the Apple computer livery. That was Bobby Rahal's car. He was the yep. driver as that. So he came here and saw the car. Uh, so Graham Rahal 
and Takuma Sato are both Ray Hall Letterman. And so uh, that team took a, a first and a third, first two cars third, on the podium. Awesome. Uh, fantastic for those guys. Uh, I believe there was a crash uh, five, five, the last five laps or four laps or something like that. that. I, I don't know exactly what lap it was on. It was bad. Um, but they had to make the decision, do we red flag it and then race the last three laps or do we yellow flag and the races end at the, at the yellow flag? And they, they chose to yellow flag it. So whatever the order was when the crash happened, that basically was the race. So uh, a little bit less than spectacular. I would have liked to see a little sprint at the end because I was watching it. Uh, and going, hey, you know, I, I know the one, two, three guys are a little bit separated and they've only got four laps to, to, to tighten, uh, you know, the grouping. But under a yellow, if they get a green light or if they red flag it, then they're bunched up again. It's really going to be a sprint. So it would have been exciting to see, but I understand, you know, this is the way it works and this is racing and everybody's fine with, with the results and uh, uh, it, it is what it is. But not everybody was fine. With well, it, not so. everybody's fine with it. I, <laughs> I, I, I always that think crash, my, that crash was unbelievable. The crash was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the technology in these cars to withstand that that impact on that wall at that speed was it, it was just unbelievable. And he just walked out of that car. It was, it was a testament to what they did. Yeah, he did wobble a little on his way out. Well, there's sure. no doubt he wobbled. Yeah, but he certainly. Down, but I mean, he's, he. he he was still put together, man. Hit, that was- hit the wall and then spun, and then just as bad luck would have it, hit right on the end of of that wall, like into into pit row. Now they have the tire barriers and whatever at the end of that, but they when they were talking about it, um, uh, I think it was Paul Tracy was on the mic, and you know him being a, a racer for such a long time. He's like, remember before we had the tires, I forgot who, uh, I'm sure somebody knows, said somebody else hit it and split the car in half. And like half went down pit row and half went down the track. And this is kind of where we are. And yes, talk about the uh, the canopy or the halo system on those cars. Um, had to have huge, been a huge benefit. Definitely some protection for the driver. Probably some structural integrity around the cockpit of driver. If you look at that crash and you look at the aftermath of it, you see how much damage to the car, but not a lot around the driver. The cockpit, and it's, yeah. You know, even when we we build cars for the street, and you look at all the crazy crash testing uh, that that happens, you you do when you do notice how the car is supposed to crumple around and absorb the impact around the cockpit. Uh, but, but pretty amazing, um, exciting race. Uh, um, you know, a little disappointed that they weren't able to do it in front of spectators. I know the guys on the podium, I know Sato and, you know, it was, was great for them and great, you know, to see it on TV, but not the same without 300,000 people screaming at, at, at the time, you know, listen, you, you, are one of the few wrestlers to be able to do some of the biggest events in the day and then actually do the 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 in the studio no audience wrestling so you know what it's like to have you know 60,000 or so people screaming and that's what that live show is all about right then Indy 500 is just a live show it's a huge difference. It's why you do. It's it's one of the main reasons you do what you do because you're there to entertain. It's a 
it's a competition you have with yourself to be the best that you can be every time. But you're, but ultimately you're out there to put a, you know, put a show on for people. Um, but I mean, this, this has been the normal for the last number of months and, uh, we got to kind of accept it, move on. And then, you know, when the, the gates of hell open back up again, we can all address it at that point. But yeah, it, it, it sucks. And it's, it's amazing to see during this time, how some sports can prosper and some sports, you know, really fall by the wayside when they're presented in front of no fans. Yeah. Well, how did you, how did you think, I mean, as a, there are a lot of things you can watch, like hockey, for instance, I'm watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm a huge hockey fan. Yeah. To me, I don't miss the fans not being there. I really don't because it's it's it has everything to do with what's going on on the ice. It's such a fast paced game, and the announcers. So the, if the if they're great announcers sure. and the and the action's awesome, then you forget about that other aspect being the crowd. But in racing, it's a it's different, man. I think it is. I think more about the people that are there. I think more about the people playing. I think uh, I did watch a little bit of hockey the other day as well. And, you know, they've got this sound going on like in in uh, uh, in the in the building, you know, you know, charge and like they're they're doing it to, you know, to I, I get it for the for the TV coverage. And for what we see, you don't really miss the audience. That's fine. Right. Um, because the TV coverage is is fantastic, and you know they're they're doing it. I would imagine a little bit better uh, to not show the the stands missing or anything. You know, grandstands yeah. empty. But I think about the players. I think about the drivers at Indy. I think about those guys that really uh, and wrestling as well. I think about them that really kind of perform to an audience or uh, wrestling more so than than you know, racing, but the, the sound and the feeling of that audience there, what does that, that do to them? And, and look, well, ultimately the biggest thing is how hard they've worked their asses off to get to the playoffs, to get to the Indy 500, Yeah, you know, and then the pay, what's the payoff? The payoff is you win or lose, right? Yeah. But the payoff usually is also the experience. And so, yeah, you can look back on it and go, yeah, I was part of a, a, a race with no fans there. But you'd much rather say that, yeah, man, that was one of the most spectacular experiences of my life because there were 300,000 people there. It was an unbelievable, you know, the sights and sounds. It's just it's a shame for the for the people that are that are having to perform. It, it will be. It's funny. It's going to go down. It's going to go down as. This Indy 500 will will go down in history as something very very unique. About everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, you remember the year we didn't have spectators?" And then next year, God willing, everything goes and we are allowed spectators. It's gonna be the biggest Indy 500 party of all time, ever. It's yeah. it's like they're already talking, going, "Oh, it's gonna be nuts next year," especially with. With the ownership with Roger Penske, he's already put fifteen million into the facility alone. Oh, yeah. uh, and at the end, when you saw the car go up on the big elevator, which they which they just <laughs> that was wild, which they just did, uh, yep. they uh, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, having uh, the the amount of people, the amount of coverage uh, that you're going to see, it's going to be it's going to be a huge uh, party. And how for, many for millions of dollars did they spend on that? And they did that for the spectators. They did that for the spectators. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it ended up being great TV yeah. coverage. It ended up being, uh, 
uh, great for Bobby Ray Hall. And we saw David letter up them with his insane mountain man beard, trying to wear a mask with that crazy beard hanging out the bottom of it. <laughs> he looked like a lunatic in that thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, but Letterman was up there on the on the podium as as well. But uh, uh, anyway, it was, it, it was an exciting race. It was fun to see. Um, it was uh, congratulations to those guys to uh, to to Graham Ray Hall, uh, Scott Dixon, and 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 uh, and Sato. Um, it was uh, it was fun. Thirty two into the corners, man. Really? Oh my gosh, these guys were I mean... <laughs> qualifying, and uh, some of the the lap times they were putting down. And it's just it's just fantastic on what they it's were uh, what they were doing. Um, all right. So also in the news we've got is uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E, which uh, it's too bad Alistair is not here to do the news for us exactly. on the Mach-E. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to have Chris, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. Chris we, should, uh, should. time we need audio. We need, we need a sound drop. Anytime of, you say Mach-E, you ought to have Alistair's <laughs> audio. Yeah, up. we should have Alistair's audio come up. Alistair's been at uh, at Willow Springs doing more testing of the Corvette C8. He's been posting on his uh did they not sell razors at Willow Spring? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you saw his comment, but he had like three pictures of of the C8 and then like a, a selfie on him. And I'm like, why is the uh, what's with the what's with the image of the uh, tired, sweaty Brit up there? And he's like, I'm taking one for the team, man. It's like 110 degrees out here, and they're doing a they're doing their their track day, but just constant filming and stopping and testing and filming and stopping and testing, and it's just. I was up there for a for a summer event, and it is brutal. It, it's well, he just, could have been down in South Texas with the roadkill guys throwing dirt up everywhere at 110 degrees. So yeah, I, I heard they were in the area. Everybody's suffering. Yeah, well, they're all having fun, though. They're all having fun. Um, yeah. the, the Mustang Mach-E, as you guys know, the all-electric Mustang, Similar to Bronco and similar to uh, Dodge uh, Ram TRX, everyone's doing a launch a launch edition vehicle, and the Mach E uh, had pre orders available on the Ford website, and they immediately sold out of the launch edition, and then uh, Ford just announced they're they're going to offer more. Orders available for the launch edition, and it's kind of interesting how they're doing it. Is uh, they have partnered up with some other sites like uncrate.com uh, and Spotify, and you'll go to their websites through these partner programs and order it there. And I don't know if they're all going to be the same. The way I understood it is uncrate. Uh, their car, they're going to have a limited number of the launch editions, and I think they're going to be gray with the black interior uh, and uh, uh, I think red calipers. The gray is like carbonized gray. It'll have the black upholstery. I think it has like red stitching. Now, I don't know if that's unique to all of the launch editions or the ones that will be available at Uncrate. So it's just, I don't know, I kind of like the idea. Interesting. It's, yeah. I, I like the idea of partnering up with these guys. Um, it's, it's, 
the one you get is the 346 horsepower, 428 pound-feet of torque. It's the dual motors. It's the 270 range, 270 whatever. It's estimated. Uh, and it's uh, 59900 60000 bucks for the for the dual motor uh, version, you know, almost 350 horsepower. And I'm wondering, like, is the Spotify version different, right? Or is – or you know, I, I don't know you just ex- use exactly. Them as a conduit to get the same vehicle. You know, you must remember this. I don't know if they still do it, but you know, for a long time, I think it was like over the holidays, Neiman Marcus would do a high-end special version of a car. They would say, "Hey, you know, the new Maserati Gran Turismo is coming out, and it's 120 grand, but for 165, you could buy the Neiman Marcus edition, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got, you know." Some new stitching, and it's got this and that, a few options and colors that you wouldn't normally be able to get. And there's a premium on it. You order it from the Neiman Marcus catalog. Uh, you know, so this is sort of Ford's uh, more kind of everyman version of that, partnering with, uh, you know, maybe not super high end fancy brands. This isn't a Neiman Marcus thing, but this is, you know, this is done great, and this is Spotify, and it fits more of the audience. So I kind of like that idea. Also, I like the idea because there isn't like a Spotify markup. You know, the, you still get the car for sixty grand. It's not like, mm-hmm. hey, the Spotify version is seventy two thousand, right? This is that would bite them. That would bite them in the ass. Yeah, yeah, because it's we don't really need to do that. And and no. the benefit for these brands, of course, is co branding with Ford and Ford co branding with them. So it's mutual to drive some traffic to their site and allows these guys, I don't know, maybe collect some email addresses. It's business, right? You collect some email addresses and say, welcome to Uncrate. You can unsubscribe if you want to, but thanks for coming by. Get on the list for your Ford Mach-E launch edition, and this is also what we do. It's kind of win-win. That's what we do. Uh, That's just the nature of business. how, like in a presentation, do you say, yeah, man, I got the special edition Uncrate. You know, Ford. I mean, there's no relation there. So I mean, it's there just there isn't. Weird. But like we're saying, it's it's not an uncrate. dot com branded version of the vehicle. It's just the destination you're going to to order it, and it's a way to introduce some customers to that company, right? Um, that's that's all they're really doing. Look, you know, Spotify is doing a bunch of podcasting, and they got music and all kinds of stuff going on. They want to bring some people there. And part of their marketing campaign is everybody always reaches out and goes, how can we do something more creative? How do we do, even on a podcast, we want to do different kind of live reads and integrated segments and have a guest on the show and blah, blah, blah. This is just a version of that. This is just them going, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. That's what business is. Hey, we're here doing a show. We love doing the show, but there is still a business behind this. So. Uh, anyway, more more Maki first editions are available, and as of uh, today, as we're recording this, and I'm sure as you're reading this, there are some available. So if you didn't get the opportunity to go to Ford.com and order up what you wanted, uh, you can still do that. Now, I don't exactly know if they're going to do something with Bronco as well. The Bronco first editions, I believe, are sold out. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do something like this. Now, uh, it seems like if this, you know, temporary little pilot program does well, 
no reason why they couldn't do something cool with with Bronco as well. By the way, be like, hey, go to the REI website, right? Or you know, and uh, and <laughs> order your, order your Bronco, order your 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 first edition Bronco from them, or or whatever, you know, something along the lines of that. Uh, so anyway, there's a few out there. Have you seen? The uh, everybody loves the new 911. Uh, oh yes! Uh, Damn it! And Turbo S is out there. We love the Turbo S. Um, and then they did Turbo S first, and then they released the Turbo, and uh, and then they released the Targa. And I had commented on social media, uh, I think to Edmonds or somebody, and I said, "Great, love that they've got the Targa, but I'd like to see a Targa GTS." With the manual and the center lock wheels, and uh, and the comments were, I don't know, seems like a really small audience. But then a lot of people were with me and going, Yeah, but they did that last year for the previous generation. And in my book, the GTS is one of the better looking of the cars. And the the reason why is top up or top down, it's fine. But I do like the you know the aluminum bar that goes across. And if you really look at the rear glass. The rear glass on the Targas is a single piece of glass for the back and then curves down to the side. So it's almost like the quarter windows and the rear glass are all one piece of glass. Mm -hmm. And there's no pillar cutting them in half. So the rear visibility is nice and it gives it a really nice look. In my opinion, I think it's one of the best looking ones out there. And the GTS has always been the most kind of bang for the buck when you're optioning out a Porsche. Porsches are so a la carte with their options. You can jump into a price point and get into the Turbo, Turbo S range, or you can option up whatever, the Carrera or the 911 4 or whatever, the 2 or the 4. Uh, but the GTS was always kind of the nicely optioned versions of any of the cars. Cayenne, uh, 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 Macan, you know, I, I always like those. And when I saw the previous gen, the Targa GTS with an optional manual and the GTS had the center lock wheels, which is only on the GT cars and, and the, the Turbo S, yes. I thought that was kind of a neat feature. So I'd love to see uh, a GTS uh, Targa, but we have a GT3 coming out. We have a GT3 RS, and the spy shots of the GT3 RS are are pretty sick. It's got like some RSR bodywork on it. It's a cool looking. It's beautiful, it's, man. It, Quit understate. It's a beautiful car. They did it. <laughs> They did a beautiful job. On yeah, that car. it's gonna. I mean, everyone's oh, getting nutty with the wings these days. Um, oh, we we saw the. Uh, we talked about it a little while ago. We talked about the uh, the AMG GT Black Series mm-hmm. or whatever Black Series GTS something, and with the crazy wing and all this stuff. On actually, we talked about it because the sound wasn't quite quite, quite there for a for a flat plane crank V8. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of missing the sound a little bit. Um, but the crazy wing, yeah, and the GT3 RS Porsche looks badass. The wide body, the vents, what they're doing on the hood, and it's got a little like RSR kind of bodywork to it. Um, it's it's pretty wild. It's over the top. I'm curious to yeah, see. It's got attitude, man. That car is beautiful. Uh, center exhaust, twin center exhaust in it. So if you guys haven't seen the uh, the uh, spy photos of that, it's worth checking out because it's going to be kind of a badass car. And Just from, throw that emoji of me up drooling right now. 
<laughs> the drooling emoji. It's a uh, 520 horsepower from the naturally aspirated engine. Right, that thing's got to scream. I don't know what that's. Oh man, just... I know. I can hear it right now. Oh, that thing's going to be kind of nuts. Four liter, uh, naturally aspirated, as we said, five hundred and twenty horsepower. I don't know what the RPM is going to be on it, but um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Uh, and in last the- time I was in one similar to the, that, and I owned it was the one that I ended up selling to Jesse James, the uh, 2003 twin all wheel drive twin turbo. Um, oh, for the night. Yeah. But, the Porsche. Yeah. And I love that car, but I, and it's been, you know, 15 years, 10 years since I've had one in my possession like that, except for the 92 we've got <laughs> this one. Oh man. This this could be the next one. I mean, absolutely gorgeous car. And the GT3, I've been in love with it, you know, since the beginning. The concept of the car itself. And now what they did to that aero package and the way that that car is put together, it's absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to look uh, badass. And just um, as far as performance, uh, some of the options that we're seeing is the, the GT3 regular – could have a manual transmission, but the RS is very likely not even going to have it as an option. It's going to be dual clutch. It's going to be the only way they're going to be able to get the performance that they need to get out of it. Uh, of course, that's what everybody's sort of going towards. So we all know that argument. We've been down this road before. Um, anyway, speaking of of supercars, news from, from McLaren as well. It, it's interesting because it seemed not that long ago uh, McLaren was – the news about McLaren was, you know, sales have dropped significantly, something like 60 percent. Uh, coronavirus hit hard uh, for a lot of car companies, them being one of them. And, uh, you know, struggled for some financing. Actually, we talked about, hey, well, they do have a nice building. They have a huge car collection in their museum. They can leverage that, maybe borrow against it, get, use that as collateral, not necessarily sell it off, but just borrow against it and say, hey, we've got uh, – uh, look, by the way, every time uh, a McLaren F1 goes to auction and the price keeps getting <laughs> jacked up, like good for them, right? They exactly. Could, they, they could uh, – seems like they could uh, – uh, borrow that's quite never, a bit. Yeah, that's never going to Just based on that. So McLaren's future is they want to get away from combustion engines completely by 2030, which in 10 years, that seems aggressive. And uh, so the next generation of McLarens are all going to be hybrid. We had the P1. And uh, and the Senna, I believe, uh, or had a hybrid powertrain, hybrid in the form of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they've been working on their new carbon fiber tub, their monocoque tub, and uh, it's meant to support a hybrid uh, drivetrain. So uh, I don't know exactly what the specs will be or how they will differ from model to model. Um, but expect uh, McLaren to only have something like a 17-mile electric-only range on it. I don't think it's – you know, this isn't meant to be, you know, go 60, 70 miles on electric range. It's meant for performance but uh, and overall better fuel economy. It's going to be much more in line with what, what we've seen with Acura NSX uh, than anything else. 
especially on their street cars or their sports cars versus their supercars. We're talking, you know, 570 and 600 series versus 720S. Um, so uh, uh, interesting plans for, for McLaren. I don't know how many models they're going to be releasing now. It's 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 a little like Porsche as well. Like, you know, uh, McLaren can say, hey, we've got 12 new cars coming out. Well, what they mean is three platforms, right? Maybe 500 series 600 series 700 series and then each one of those is going to have four, four versions, versions of it uh right. and it i get it two-wheel drive all-wheel drive hybrid this and that and and uh you know long tail and not and 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 stuff so uh, uh anyway a lot of interesting stuff from mclaren we're big fans of mclaren we've driven a lot of them um just fantastic cars to drive uh I would imagine they're going to be doing some some cool things with this, but I don't know. I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting. That uh, I'm sure that's going to lower the price of all their new vehicles too. Well, I mean, they're going to have to compete. Yeah, you're right. You know, they're going to have to compete on some level with uh, mm. with with where they currently are. Like, I don't I don't think you can take one of their cars. Let's say it's a hundred and sixty four thousand dollar price range or base price. I don't think the hybrid version can be 185. I don't think you can go 20,000 above because it, it just gets you out of that out of that realm a little too much. Um I don't know, it's to be kind of interesting, but uh I've been talking to a Ferrari recently as well. Had a nice conversation with them the other day just kind of talking about what's going on with them and uh what's what do they see as future plans and how do they, you know, of course you know, they have an SUV in the works. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I like the They've idea. Been kind of quiet comparatively over this pandemic. Am I am I correct in making that statement? Yes, I I think so. I I think they would be also in the in the U.S. They they can't get any like press cars here. They don't normally have a big press fleet. Um, so I think they only have the one car, maybe the F8, I think, is is in, is in a press fleet out here. They don't have a Portofino. They don't have a Roma, uh, you know, uh, the new Roma that, that I think Ken Ligefelder ordered one. Uh, they don't have that, you know, so they're they're not being able to generate a lot of press from that right now in here in the U.S. Uh, the one thing I can tell you is um, a few years back— my shift and steer guys, Brad Fanshaw and Aaron Hagar, we we all drove up to. I think we went to Sears Point. We went to uh, Sonoma to the racetrack there, and we visited the Ferrari Challenge. And we actually sat down with the CEO of Ferrari North America. We had a nice interview with them. We had a nice lunch with them. Uh, drove a Ferrari uh, FF, I believe. Uh, I. I know it sounds like I'm questioning it. What I mean is, is I know FF. what it was. Is is the FF is the hatchback, but right after that, the Luso GTC came out, and I don't know if I drove the FF or the Luso. I think I drove the last, the tail end of the FF, which was uh, which was nice. But Ferrari Challenge was I don't know, fifteen cars racing, and the Ferrari Challenge has now grown. The enthusiasts of that brand are buying the challenge cars, participating in that program, and they're having run groups of 30 and 40 cars, which is, uh, which is 
fantastic. So Ferrari's putting a lot more attention onto that, saying, hey, you guys are liking what we're doing. We're going to continue to grow Ferrari Challenge. We're going to do more events. We're going to make it more exciting. And listen, this is the epitome of rich man sport. You pay a shit ton of money to get the car. Yeah. You pay a shit ton of money to go racing. But they put on a nice event. And uh, it's one of those events where you're like, hey, you're out there racing your quarter million dollar car amongst everybody else who's got a quarter million dollar car. The cars that they drive to the track in are Enzo's and LaFerrari's. And then there's a trailer there. And I believe all of the Ferrari Challenge cars are basically sponsored by whoever the local dealer is. And then the dealer will show up with a semi truck with wh- however many racing cars they have, you know, let's say Ferrari of San Francisco. They may have four cars or six cars or however many clients, and they're going to go up there and sort of field it for you. So it is nice to be a little bit turnkey. It's an awesome opportunity for these guys. I oh, mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. And <clears throat> to say it's not competitive would be uh, an absolute flat-out lie because if you'll remember, I was dropped right in the middle of the field at uh, at, at uh, um, in Atlanta, Road yeah. Atlanta, for the Viper Cup. Oh yeah, and those those guys take it as, as serious as can be. And you're correct; what they drive up there is much more expensive than what they're driving on the track. But what they're driving on the track is a real high level sports car. But the ability to go be able to do that, you know, and be a weekend racer yeah. at that level is really cool. Yeah, it was. It, it, hey, it was fun to go years ago and get sort of a glimpse of of what Ferrari Challenge is in its in its early stages, or at least you know at the time when we went and how it's grown now. So I'm going to try to work out to go into another event. And what manufacturer doesn't do it? I don't. You know i I don't know. I I, I don't know. If nobody's yeah. Nobody's deal? doing it no. like Ferrari's doing it. I don't think Ford's doing it like this with the GT. Um, I thought Lamborghini did their trophy. Lamborghini does. And I, uh, I saw something. I thought Maserati was doing their their version of it. Um, I'm not sure who's doing it at the level that that Ferrari is doing it. How about Porsche? I would imagine Porsche is doing Porsche is. is doing something like that. Yeah, and Ford Ford has the program at Miller Motorsports Park, right? And then they do have that. Their Mustang racing, I imagine it's still going on. There's about, I don't know, about 30 cars that they go out there. It's much more affordable. Yeah, there's different budgets. Like, you know, uh, I forgot what it is to, to do the Ferrari challenge, but the car is like quarter million and it costs like a hundred grand to do the season of racing. Mm. Or I could be wrong. It could be 200 grand, but it's not insignificant. And then, I don't know, like the Mustang racing program would be like you could rent the car, rent the, the prepped Mustang and do the – Eight eight races or something like that, and and mm-hmm. it's it's probably about ten or twelve grand a race, not forty grand a race, you know. So there's different programs at different levels that allow you to to do that. Um, It'd be nice if you didn't have to spend extra money on rebuilding your car after every race, too. Yes, yeah. Then, well, that's kind of thing. That. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> that is kind of the thing. There's not a lot of insurance out there, so if you put the car back and if you give it back to them in, in one piece, then uh, it's ready for the, you know, you're you're not out of pocket additional money, um, other than the wear and tear stuff is usually included in all of that. But right for Ferrari Challenge, I drove the FF around Sonoma, but then I did get into one of the Ferrari Challenge cars and with one of uh, Ferrari's drivers. And did a few laps with them, you know, riding shotgun. And and it, it's fun to do. And it's fun to do while you're being able to, like, the first 
lap, you're 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 kind of scared out of your mind, and then by lap two or three, you're like, "So tell me about the car here and what's going on here." Like you yeah. kind of, there is a bit of a calmness to you, and then you can start asking about the car and and the track. And he's like, "Here, the track's rough. You can feel it. It's really kind of bumpy here, and this is where it kind of slides out. And here we kind of go all out." And then you're you're so fascinated with the whole idea, and that's the lap where you like. Where you get out, you go like, man, I want to drive. I want to do that. The first one scares you. The fourth lap or third lap, you're like, man, I want to be able to do this. So uh, anyway, it's a fun event. Talking to them uh, is was interesting. Hopefully, we're going to be able to do some more stuff with them, maybe get out to one of their to one of their events. But um, anyway, let's uh, tell you guys more about uh, our friends at Dodge. Summertime is the best time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because Dodge Power Dollars means you get a guaranteed discount. And the math is simple. You've heard us talk about it before. You get $10 off based on the total horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle. So every Dodge 2020 Challenger, every 2020 Durango, every 2020 Charger, uh, you can go in. You can get this deal. You get the most out of your horsepower this summer. With And with $10 off for each horsepower, that means you can go in and pick up the Dodge Charger SRT Scat Pack. That's a badass one. It's 485 horsepower. You'll get $4,850 off on that car. And this summer, Dodge Power Dollars is back on the Dodge Durango. So when you're behind the wheel of a Dodge Durango, you're behind the wheel of a performance-driven SUV. And whether you're rolling around with friends, you'll be able to fit everyone because Dodge Durango's seven-passenger seating capacity, which is fantastic for its size and its class. By the way, that Hellcat Durango, that thing's a monster. I can't wait to get on the list to drive one of those. I keep asking my guy, hey, when are you going to send that Durango Hellcat over? I need to get a few... uh, I need to get a few days around town with that thing. Uh, anyway, get more power. Get more off. It's that simple. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. Speaking of Dodge Power, uh, you got some dyno numbers. Uh, that, what's the latest on the on the twin-turbo gearhead fabrications charger with the parachute and the roll cage? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, you know, um, I'm getting pretty excited, man. He's going out and doing some uh, eighth mile to uh, make sure the, the puppy's ready for me to go take a testing up in Wisconsin for speed core. But I think he he pumped out a 1245, something like that, and uh, over a thousand foot pounds of torque. Um, it's going to be really interesting. And if you saw that that clip of one of the dyno runs, mm-hmm. it, it tried to jump off that dyno. So 1245 horsepower, do you know if he's running the 93 octane or the E85 on that one? I think, you know, he hasn't mentioned E85, so I think it's 93. I think it's 93, yeah. Yeah, I'm not positive, but that's one of those uh, very important details that we've uh, that I've overlooked to ask during this because I've been so excited. You know, because I saw saw your post about it, and I saw the GearHeads post about it, and they usually say that. Yeah, in their post, right? Like if one. it was E85, they would say E85. So I think that's the pump gas. Well, the Texas pump gas, not our crap out here. This, 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 I'm thinking of, I can't, I can't think of adjective that's not, that's not vulgar and inappropriate for the show. But, uh, so I'm pausing and I'm biting my tongue. Um, yeah. So on the 93 octane, nice, don't say uh, that's fantastic. So these guys, 
are going to take it out and do a few laps in it, run the eighth mile, kind of shake it down a little bit more before it ships up to to Speedcore. Yeah, uh, I don't have all the, you know, we've got the the forge lines down there. We've got the HREs up at uh, up at Speedcore right now, but we're not going to outfit it with the drag setup right now because we're not doing that extensive testing. So the transformation visually will be after it gets the speed core. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to post any of the 60 foot times or st- anything like that. I'm not sure, but uh, they're, they're pretty happy with where it is. And here's the caveat throughout the whole deal. I've been really excited to follow this thing. And, you know, here I, I, I'm getting something that I'm replicating from SEMA last year and from what speed has done, but it sure as hell is not the biggest beast that gearhead is building because do you yeah. see i mean it's just like one of the other cars <laughs> they're doing. i'm thinking i'm gonna get some monster that's gonna separate itself from the pack it's just part of the pack because they're pumping out some cars that you know regularly pumping 12 or well a thousand 1200 horsepower yeah yeah you know but i i see some some comfort in that uh, you, well, that definitely, there's no question there's comfort in it. But for a guy that likes to be different <laughs> right now, 90% of it is, hey, the middle of the pack is cool with the gearhead, the gearhead boys, because the middle of the pack there is over a thousand horsepower, right? I mean, that's they've upped the standard so much with what they're doing with those Hellcat motors. It's nuts. So that's, that's nothing nothing new to pump out 1200 horsepower in a vehicle in their shop. Right. But the combination of that and what speed core is going to do with it, that's, what's really going to make the car stand out. That's what's oh, no make question. It, it pretty special. Uh, speaking of speed cores, they've been doing some posts recently. They've teased for a while. The, the charger, I, I forgive me. I think it's a 69 charger, maybe 70. I think it's a 68, 69 charger. They've teased for a while. We've seen tantrum in the cars, that they're making one for Ralph Jills, who's the uh, you know the longtime designer head of you know uh, Dodge. I know he's jumped around different brands at SRT and all that. He's you know he's a boss there, uh, a nice guy. Um, probably hell been there driver. for a few years. Hell of a driver, uh, and uh, he's he's commissioned them to build him one of these early Chargers and. I think what they're doing that they haven't done before is if you think of a charger as a unibody car, this is a full chassis. This is a full carbon fiber car. This has carbon fiber floorboards. This is this is a carbon fiber car. And uh they're that's fantastic uh, what they were doing. <laughs> Ralph you know, is one lucky man. I cannot wait to I see know. This. Also, I mean, the power plant too. We're not it's like we're Hush, hushing that away. You know the elephant. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And then is it is it stock elephant at that point? It's got a little something something tuned into it. Like Ralph's I don't know. And, you know, it's going to be top of the top of the notch. It's going to be way over the top. Oh, and the other thing that's interesting is we spoke to our friend uh, John Urist at Helion Turbos out of mm-hmm. uh, New Mexico, I believe. Uh, we talked to him a few times about what he's doing in the Ford side and on the Dodge side and uh, uh, on the Hellcat side, and he's really been touting compound boosting. So you take your Hellcat engine with the supercharger on it, 
and then also add turbos. Right. And one goes into the other. And uh, uh, on on their system, I believe the turbos would be first and the turbos blow into the supercharger because it sits on top of the motor. It's much closer. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is if you if you imagine, I don't know, your Hellcat engine, all the superchargers being belt driven the way they are, that eats up some horsepower. Uh, and it takes power to spin it and to keep it spinning. And if you're making 800 horsepower, and or in your case, you know, well, you're doing it with turbos, but if you're making an eight or 900 horsepower supercharged engine, I don't know what that supercharger is eating up, 80, 90 horsepower, which means you are probably making over a thousand and you're getting to that 900 mark. The turbos take off a lot of the load off of that supercharger, right? So now we have compound boost. But also if you think about the twin screw tube supercharger has all of that low end torque, right? That's the low end torque mm-hmm. off the line. That's the equivalent of of McLaren doing, or let's say Acura NSX doing electric motors for the low end and then mm-hmm. the turbo yeah. on the high end. So that turbo lag that you get is filled in, that gap, that turbo lag gap is filled in with electric motors. Compound boosting could be kind of cool because now you've got the low-end torque of that supercharger before those turbos even kick in. And then when those turbos get some RPM behind them, get some exhaust flowing, it's taking the load. They're kicking in. It's taking the load off that supercharger. It could be kind of cool. Are you kidding me? I want it now. And they're making batshit crazy numbers over there. Now, your your charger, they pulled off the supercharger. They fabbed up their own intake manifold. And they're going twin turbo. And that is kind of unique. That is pretty special. But the guys, I brought up Helion because they are working with gearhead fabrications. And they are building compound boost systems for for the, for those guys as well. I just got to figure out what I'm going to put it on. And I I like... I like that they're doing that because we like the guys at Gearhead a lot, and we do like the guys at Hellion a lot. I tell you, what wouldn't be out of the question is that Ram TRX Hellcat engine. We're not looking about weight, right, because it's a big truck, and – the 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 stealth turbo system that they mount down below by the by the collectors by the catalytic converters twin there turbo you have it. twin That's turbo the TRX first edition there you go great to gearhead fabrication for for you some just compound made, boost you just made the decision <laughs> for me oh, see how easy that was yeah that would be so the, much fun I needed a, I needed to connect two dots and you did it for me. Thank you. That's the perfect vehicle for it. Compound boost on that vehicle, yep. right? Because you've got a little bit of clearance and it's a little safer for the turbos. And uh, yeah, text him, hey, got a TRX on order. I want to <laughs> compound boost it. Let me know when you're done. Well, he's getting it right, at, <laughs> right, right after delivery. It was already going to him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but what better vehicle to do that on, right? Yeah, no, I think that's a great vehicle for it. Absolutely. That's a great vehicle for it. Plus, I'm uh, in Texas, and i got to deal with all the 1,000-horsepower Cummins around here. Yeah. All right. Let, know what you're going to need. You're going to need some Geico. You're going to need some Geico insurance. Absolutely. Uh, right Everyone now, else will. 
Uh, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You're never going to save money like this again. There's never been a better time to switch to Geico, and you'll save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. And I kind of feel like that's right around the time TRXs are shipping. So uh, in October, uh, no, right? no, no, it's going to be delayed a week later. Yeah. All right. Well, you can get your insurance ahead of time. Order it up by October 7th. Save an extra 15 percent. Just visit Geico.com to learn more. Uh, all right. You send your text. We're going to wrap things up here and uh, and uh, we'll we'll tune in next week as we're here. <laughs> as we're here doing this. uh uh, my my truck was I was driving the truck. It was sputtering a little bit, and I thought something with the engine. Um, luckily, no. Uh, definitely, the engine's tired. I hear some noises, some ticking noises. Um, but the the lightning has two fuel tanks: a front tank and a rear tank. It's more like on the front side and then in the rear. My front tank fuel pump went bad. Okay, I switch. I have a switch on the dash. Mm-hmm. Switch tank. to the rear tank. Drive around. It's fine. But here's the here's the hang up. The fuel pump went bad with a f- full tank of fuel. Okay, and I was like, it's all right. I'll carry it around for a little while. Not that big of a deal. But this is a return line fuel system. A lot of the modern cars don't have a return line. Instead, they throttle the voltage of the pump. Mm-hmm. So when you need a little bit of fuel, you know, they bring down the voltage. When you need more fuel, they crank up the So I have a return line. The return line on this splits to two tanks. So if you never use the front tank and the fuel pump is bad <laughs> – the return line is spitting some fuel back in there. So I'm driving around and I park in a parking garage and I'm with my, uh, with my girlfriend. I'm like, do you smell gas? She's like, this thing always smells like gas. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and, uh, and I look and there's gas coming out of, there's fuel coming out of the gas cap. It's oozing out of the truck. And I'm like, hmm, wonder if it's a bad gas cap or it's been hot out here. Is it a pressure thing? And then I realized, no, my return line is spitting fuel in it and it's topping off to the tank more than it needs to be. And if I flick on the front fuel tank pump, it starts to sputter and it barely moves any fuel. So I can't even do that. So I rolled up this morning to the shop and uh, I was like, you know, I can get the hand pump and I can sit here and pump that goddamn thing by hand and get 15 gallons. So what I did is, is, uh, uh, I drove here. My rear tank was basically empty when I got here, and I went to the shop, and God bless the guys over there. I talked to Sean and, and Jose, and I said, hey, man, I need to get all the fuel from that fuel front tank to the rear. Into the rear. I've got to go do a podcast. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they, he's got a shelf there of all these fuel pumps. And he's like, let me see what I can do. So uh, Sean grabbed a few pieces, handed it to Jose. He's like, test this pump. So I, hopefully as I'm sitting here, 
those guys are doing me a favor. They just brought out a car battery, one of the high-end pumps off the race cars, like an $1,800 Bosch fuel pump that's going to flow a mile a minute. And uh, and they just hooked up some lines. And they're just going to stick a hose in the front tank, stick a hose in the back tank, hit a battery under that fuel pump, and suck all the fuel out. And it should be done. And, uh, and so I can move. Yeah. Also, if I went like, if I wanted to drop the tank myself or, you know, swing by, you know, maybe gallop and auto sports again and go, hey, swap a fuel pump in there. They're going to be like, great, make sure the tank is empty before you do that because <laughs> they don't want to <laughs> lower all that weight. So anyway, this is where I am. I'm swapping the all the fuel from the front to the back because uh, I, I, I don't want to swap out the fuel pump right now. I don't want to go through that because – Soon as the new engine comes in, I'm going to have to drop the tanks and do custom fuel pumps and the whole thing anyway. And it's like, I'm going to keep throwing money at fixing this goddamn thing before I'm going to tape an aspirin it. on it. That's it. So uh, I'm just going to uh, drain the front tank. And uh, when, you know, we'll see how quickly it fills up. I don't think it's going to be real quick. Um, I don't think it's, you know, again, the return line's not bringing a lot of fuel back into the tank and it's splitting off to two tanks, right? So it's, it's going to take a while to fill up that tank. It's not really going to be that, that big of a deal. Um, but drop but, it for your BMW. Yeah. Uh, did you see the engine pictures? <laughs> the BMW? The next show. Yeah. Yeah. Next show. <laughs> Uh, BMW is looking good. I'm telling you, I'm going to list it. I know a lot of guys are asking me questions. I've been teasing it. I kind of shot myself in the foot by even teasing it because everyone's like, how many miles? How many, how much you want? You, you know, thank you. I love the interest. We're getting some excitement for the car. Um, it, it looks good. It runs good, but I am, I don't know why I'm just determined because of all the engine work and everything we've done to it. I want to be able to sell it to you guys with a dyno number. I don't care if it's a dyno jet or Mustang dyno. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I just want to get a dyno number for it and tell you guys how much power this thing is making. I think that's the fair thing. I just don't want to be the guy that's like, I put uh, you know, $50,000 into this engine and it runs like a beast and it, it, it's making all kinds of crazy horsepower and then make up a number. I want a real number for you guys. So that's what I've been waiting for. My buddy Ray has been super busy with paying clients, so he can't get me in the door. <laughs> and uh, and David, uh, uh, who, who works on all the Toyota Supras, my buddy over there, um, is uh, trying to find some time uh, on, on a different dyno possibly, but he's either working full-time or tuning the other cars uh i just gotta get it scheduled and then we'll we'll put it up there but i want to get you guys a number i want to come in here and tell you what that thing is making and then just keep dangling the carrot man we know what you're doing uh all right let's get the hell out of here let's wrap it up Uh, uh guys thank you so much until next time uh let's keep the air and the spare in the bag of the wheel car on the road the mackie For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.
Guys, thanks so much for listening. Another word from our friends at Geico. It's right now, Geico is offering a fifteen, an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico can already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You won't find a deal like this again. There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit geico.com. That's geico.com.